Hey everybody, welcome to the In All Things podcast. It's time to see God in everything. Sycamore Creek. This is really weird. Okay, this is very different from some other stuff we do. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, this episode of the In All Things podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience. I've always wanted to say something like that, okay? So here's what we need, though, before we get started. Uh, if we make a joke, even if it's not that funny, I need you to laugh really loud, okay? Because then you can hear it on the podcast when people are listening to it later, and it'll be really cool. Can you practice um, right now? Yeah, everybody laugh. Oh, good. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Um, but no, seriously, we're, we're very excited for this. And as David kind of said, if this is your first time, you're probably like, what is happening right now? Like, this is really unusual. Um, but we've been collecting questions for the last couple weeks. I got a big stack of index cards last week of just all the questions that you guys turned in. Um, I went through them all and came up with a list of questions for each service. They're completely different um, that I feel like are just the, some of the best ones to answer. But here's a little disclaimer before we get started. Uh, number one, Steve knows nothing, so he's really nervous right now of what I'm going to say, uh, which is awesome. I thought this was a good idea like six weeks ago, and now I'm really nervous. Um, but not only that, uh, some of the questions that we got do deserve their own podcast episode, okay? So if you don't hear your question answered today, know that it's not personal, okay? It's not like we were scared of your question or anything like that, but it deserves a full hour conversation that we do every week on this podcast. Um, and so we did save some for future episodes, but good morning, Steve. Good morning, Mitch. How are you today? I'm great. Is this unusual for you? This is very unusual. You know, every week it's like I build up toward getting ready for Sunday and I study a lot, and I go over my messages, usually on Friday and Saturday out loud. And so I felt lost yesterday. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the Buckeye game. Well, it was stressful. Um, but I enjoyed the weekend and not having to prepare. But on the other hand, I'd rather be really prepared. So this mm -hmm. is out of my comfort zone. Yes. But I'm looking forward to it. Very excited. So let's go ahead and jump in. Okay. First question. Uh, it's perfect for this kind of day. Is it a sin to celebrate Halloween? with witches, ghosts, and other horrific scenes. So we're just jumping right in, okay? Today's Halloween, if you don't know. So It is. I, you know, it's weird how we celebrate it, like, on Thursday night here in Pickerington. Anyway, that's a great question. I had a feeling somebody might want to know about that. So I think back to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we went out and did trick-or-treating, and I don't remember what my costumes were, but my mom would take us up and down the street. I remember that. And then I remember when we um, went to a different church and we accepted Christ as our Savior, and it was a great church. We grew in that church, but they had some strong stances against certain things, and one of the things was Halloween. As a Christian, you shouldn't celebrate Halloween, is what they said. So we stopped. We stopped celebrating it. We stopped doing trick-or-treating. I think we were the people that turned the lights off in our house and just, you know, <laughs> hit the basement. People. Yeah, I think that's what we did for a while. You can ask my mom later if she's here at the second service. But anyway, um, I remember that. And I, I remember then, you know, when we got married, my wife and I, and then had our first child. 
And when Zach was like three or four years old, and we were like, hey, maybe we should dress him up as a cowboy. And we, we took him out door to door and got candy, and it was awesome. And if you would see the two pictures of my two grandsons dressed as a pumpkin and as blippy, mm. you would believe that Halloween should be celebrated. So <laughs> they're so cute. But here's the deal. I think we think uh, um, sometimes as Christians, we, we do funny things. I think churches do funny things. And I'm not knocking it because we've done things like we don't celebrate Halloween at our church, but we have a fall festival. Mm. We have a harvest party and we do trunk or treat. Not here, maybe, but I'm saying churches do those things and saying we're not celebrating Halloween, but we're dressing up just like everybody else is doing. So in the end, it's a pagan holiday but I think it can be redeemed. I mm -hmm. think that even in that, if it's up to everybody's individual choice, I think. But what we've always done is just stayed away from anything that is demonic, that is satanic. The Bible talks about witchcraft, and we should avoid anything like that. So I think as a Christian, the important thing that we do is avoid those type of things and try to make the best of it. Use it as a way to meet people in your neighborhood, outreach. A lot of our small groups have taken their grill out in front of their house and made hot dogs and given them to the adults. And I think there's a lot of great things you can do with a holiday like this. What do yeah, you think? I mean, demons, Satan, all of those things are real. Okay. Those, those aren't things to mess with. I think that's kind of the point you're making. Like there's a certain line that you cross when you're messing with Ouija boards and doing that kind of stuff. Like demons are real. Okay. The Bible talks about them. Jesus performed exorcisms in the gospel. Okay. It's real. And so it's not something to just walk around and mess with, but at the same time, um, certain things, they only affect you as much as you give to them, right? Like there's a, pretty, a lot of things we could trace back to, oh, this was based on, you know, a satanic something, yoga. Okay, I don't know if you know this. There's rumors that yoga is based on satanic rituals, okay? Look, if you're just doing yoga to improve your health and, you know, your flexibility, which I'm terrible at, okay, I don't think you're like damaging your relationship with God, okay? There's certain things that like what affects you is how much you give to something. The, the big popular thing right now is the Enneagram test. Does anybody know about the Enneagram test? It's a personality test. Uh, there's rumors about that being based on demonic sources, right? It's just the further you look into just about anything, you could probably find something creepy about it, okay? But if your foundation is on, you know, this is not going to mess with me. It's not, I'm just doing it to get candy or dress up or have fun, then I think it's okay. Yeah. I'm a big Halloween fan, so maybe I'm biased. So, but anyway. so tonight, for the students, you have a harvest party? No, it's a Halloween oh. party. <laughs> All right. It's a Halloween party. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, let's get more theological here. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Is a, hot dog, is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Somebody actually wrote that question? These are none of my questions. These are all wow. you guys. Okay. I mean, they're always grouped with, like, hamburgers, hamburgers and hot dogs. Mm -hmm. And I would think the hamburger is definitely a sandwich. But my vote would say, no, a hot dog is not a sandwich. I agree. A hot dog is in a separate category of a Agreed. Sandwich. When I think of sandwiches, I definitely don't think of hot dogs. The new kind of debate like this is, is peanut butter a condiment, which I don't know how I feel about that either. Well, this weekend, my wife and I went out of town. We went to Pittsburgh just for fun. And um, we went to a restaurant called Burgatory, playing off of Purgatory. But it was awesome. But I had a burger that had peanut butter and jelly on it. Mm. Yeah, anybody yeah, have, yeah, have that? Those. That was actually pretty good. Mm. Yeah, so it was a condiment. Okay. All well, right, maybe sometimes go. it is and sometimes it's yeah. not. All right, now let's get, let's get okay. more serious now. Yeah. So, this is easy. Yeah, we're flying through. Okay. So what are some strategies for feeling God's presence in the mundane slash day-to-day routines? I think this is a great question. Um, uh, you know, I think people, we talk about it all the time, feel God and sense God every day, but I think it's hard for people to feel him and think about being with him all the time. So what would you say to that? 
That's a, yeah, that is a great question. I, I think that last song that we sang, which was new to us, has been around a while, but Christ be magnified in every area of my life. Mm. And I think that, of course, it's about getting our day started right. We all know that. We talk about it a lot. But getting your day started off with God is so important. Um, I've said in previous podcasts, we've talked about our habits, but having your phone is like can be your best friend or it can be your enemy. But having it send you notifications in the morning from the Bible app to remind you to spend time with God is so, so important. But I think then going throughout the day, it's a constant conversation. That verse in 1 Thessalonians, that says, pray without ceasing. Obviously, it doesn't mean walking around with our eyes closed and our hands folded, but it means being in a constant conversation with God. And the more, I think it's just the more that you make God a part of your life, 365, 24-7, the more you see God in everything. Like mm-hmm. This podcast is called In All Things because it's based on Romans 8, 28, that God works in all things. And I think every little conversation that we have, every little uh, interaction we have with people, everything we see going on in the world, you can see God in that if you want to. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you react to that? I mean, I think it just goes to don't look at your devotional time. Let's say you do set a time uh, in the morning to read the Bible or pray or whatever you do. Don't look at that as the only time that you're with God. I I think that's a really important time. It's vital to my spiritual life to get in the Word every morning. Uh, But I think that's like, you know, a really important time. But don't make that the only time. Like, change your perspective on that. Your devotional time, your quiet time, whatever you call it, is not your only time with God, okay? We believe He's there all the time. So um, I remember in high school, like, and I'd literally walk into a classroom and be like, okay, God, please don't let me fail this test. Like, but He was still with me, right? Like, I think it's just getting into this mindset that He's there all the time. I think one of the words I've used before in a sermon is compartmentalizing is what so many people do. Like God is the compartment that I have here on this hour Sunday morning and maybe 15 minutes, you know, four or five days of the week, whatever, Mm -hmm. how often. But then the rest of the day, it's just my time. It's what I do. It's my work. It's my school. It's whatever I do. I'm at the gym. But I think God time is all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're trying to say is don't make God a compartment of your life. He is Throughout every moment of every day, mm-hmm. he's what's sustaining us, giving us breath in this moment. Yeah, I heard something recently about, it was kind of funny, but the author said that if Jesus was asked, hey, how's your spiritual life? He'd probably be a little bit confused and maybe even laugh a little bit because he didn't have a spiritual life. He just had a life that was connected to God all the time. And if you look at, you know, Jesus's words in the gospel and really scripture, there's no points of like, hey, during your, your, your quiet time, do this. No, it's just do this. So I think it's just changing our perspective to not you know, boxing God into a morning routine or something like that. Absolutely. All right, let's keep moving. Why aren't there dinosaurs in the Bible? Uh, This is a good question. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Um, Let me ask this question. I've asked the audience a question. Um, What's the oldest book in the Bible? Anybody know? Job. Yes, not Genesis. Mm. A lot of people think it's Genesis. Great question. Yeah, Job. So Job was written before. And so Job, um, in Job, there's a place where it refers to different creatures that some people have thought were referring to dinosaurs that were there before the flood. This is not an area that I feel super versed in. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that guy that's <laughs> into all that. Um, I believe God created the heaven and earth. I believe he created all the animals. And um, But, you know, I believe the flood was real and that happened. And so, um, you done a little research on this? Um my seventh and eighth grade small group last year asked me about this question, and they were really excited to talk about dinosaurs. So the little bit that I remember about that, uh, the more I read and watched YouTube videos about it, um, is 
God's plan, right, is to get us back to the Garden of Eden. So at the end of time, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. The garden is going to be restored, all of that. And um, it's not crazy to believe that there's a lot of animals that were in the original Garden of Eden that aren't here today. Because once the fall happened, sin entered the world, we probably killed off a lot of animals, okay? Because they were dangerous to us or whatever. But uh, when the Garden of Eden is restored, there may be animals that we have never seen before. We couldn't even fathom that God created on this world. We don't know. So I would say that's a pretty logical explanation for dinosaurs because there are fossils that, I mean, we have seen that they do exist, right? But um, kind of where they fit into the story is the tricky part. Yeah, there's a lot of good creation science out there, creation museums out there Mm -hmm. that really help shed a lot of light on that. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving away from dinosaurs. So uh, how do we love people who think and live differently than us? How do we love people? Yeah who think and live differently than us. Well, my first reaction to that question is the same way Jesus did, right? Because Jesus is our example, and our desire should be always to follow his example. Um, Follower of Christ means we're looking at Jesus. He's the ultimate example. So how did he live his life? How did he interact with people who think differently? Well, I think most people would think differently than Jesus until they know Jesus and become more like him. So when he encountered people, and you just look throughout the Gospels, at the encounters that Jesus had, I immediately think of the woman that was called in adultery and mm-hmm. how he encountered her. He showed love. How he encountered Pharisees, people who, who were very religious and were very pious about it, very proud of themselves, and how he encountered them and how he loved them. They definitely had a different opinion of how Jewish laws should be followed than Jesus did. And you look at how he dealt with the disciples, again, different people like Peter and how outspoken Peter was and how his life was transformed. But before that, Jesus always handled people with love. I mean, he was direct. He told, told them the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't just say, okay, I agree with you. Um, I, I think maybe that question comes from maybe a stance that somebody's feeling like there's so much pressure today to just not say what we believe and not talk about what we believe and not think for ourselves, but just get into the group think of what everybody else is saying. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely the pressure that we feel, especially maybe as Christ followers. I think there's a certain pressure of, okay, yes, I I believe this. I think the Bible says this, but I can never say it because, you know, I'm going to be blown up. I'm going to be canceled. I don't know how to, how people are going to react to this, but I think maybe the hard pill to swallow is Jesus was in a culture that you know, he spoke directly to their issues and he showed up and said, I love you so much that I can't let you keep living this way. And he spoke in a way that was very controversial and he probably would have been canceled if he was in 2021, let's be honest. Um, But he was not afraid of the truth. And I think, you know, we have to find a fine line for sure. We have to do it in love and do it in truth, not just because we feel it or we're angry or we want to speak about it, but we have to know why we're speaking out against whatever's happening. But I, I think uh, we can't compromise the truth of the Bible. Yeah, we've come to a weird place in our world with cancel culture and people getting canceled for having uh, an opinion about anything that uh, everybody else doesn't agree with. And I, I think back, it used to be political correctness. That was like where it started, I think. We don't want to say things that are not politically correct. And then you add that with postmodern thought where my truth is my truth and it doesn't matter what you believe or what the Bible says or what anybody else says, it's my truth. And so you add those things together and now it's like if you don't agree, and what's funny today is that even people on all ends of the spectrum uh, used to be like people that were on the right, the conservatives are getting canceled. Now now people that are on the left 
Um, comedians, they feel like they don't even have a job now because they can't make fun of anybody anymore. Because that's what you do as a comedian. You make fun of people. I mean, it's funny, right? So they're not allowed to do that anymore because they get canceled. Do you, um, you follow John Christ? Yes. Yes. Anybody here follow John Christ, the Christian comedian? Anybody see his video they just put out about, can- I don't know if it's new. I just came up in my feed about, cance- about who, would be, who in the Bible would be canceled. Anybody see that? It was started off with like Noah would be canceled because he cut down too many trees and to build the uh, ark. And then Pharaoh would be canceled because when he found Moses in the bulrushes, he said that it was a boy and didn't let Moses decide what gender he wanted to be. <laughs> they went, I mean, he, I mean, he, see, you're laughing, but it's not funny. You're not supposed to laugh at that. And Moses, um, when he took the children of Israel through the wilderness, he only fed them manna, didn't care about all the gluten-free people. He just, and Joshua uh, led him into the land with milk and honey, and then you got all the lactose intolerant. He went all the way through and got to the Roman soldiers and said they used violence and they used weapons instead of talking people through situations. And he said they, only, they didn't just get canceled, but they also got defunded. So anyway, sorry. These are, these are really on the edge, I know. But oh, John Chris. John Chris. This isn't Steve Markle's John Chris, all right? <laughs> Good material, though. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But back to your point about, you know, everybody living their truth. Um, here's the deal, okay? If you're in this church right now and you're a Christ follower, you are not supposed to live your truth. Can I just be honest with you this morning? Okay, it's not your truth that you're living. Um, I, I think it was Davi the other day that said something about uh, there's this trend, at least it was at one point on TikTok, where it was talking about how you're the main character of your story. Okay, you're not the main character of your story. All right, Jesus is. And so uh, there comes a point when you become a Christ follower and you commit to following him where you give up your truth. All right, it is now, okay, there is a truth and it's the Bible. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. This book right here. I love that. But, That's it. Yeah, yep. definitely. But I think going back to this question of how do we love people who think differently than us, I think one thing that is vitally important is just get into the kind of the mindset all the time that everybody you see, everybody you cross paths with, even if it's at a store, even if it's at your job, wherever it is, they were created by the same God who created you. Um, the example I always use is think about the worst person in history that you can possibly think of. I don't want to know your answer. But Think of that person, okay? That person was breathed into existence by the same God who created you. And I think there's a humbling moment when you realize that there hasn't been a person who's walked this planet who wasn't created by the same God who loves you and calls you and all of those things. And so what, what position do we have to judge somebody, to hate somebody, to all of those things when the creator who created us also created them, right? They're an image of him too. We're all images of God. And that's like extremely humbling sometimes because there's those people, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And we're like, there's no way they're created by God, but they are, okay? Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, you know, in, in terms of loving people who think and act differently than you, like that's what Jesus did. That's kind of how he lived his life. He didn't sacrifice the truth. He didn't give up the message he was trying to you know, convey, but he did it in love all the time, which is, it's Let me throw a question back at you then, because you said something about this the other day, and we were conversating. Love and acceptance, are they the same thing? No, they're not the same thing. Uh, Jesus did not, even with his disciples, his people closest to him, he did not leave them where they were when he met them. Okay, he changed their lives. When you love somebody and truly love them the way that Jesus does, you, you are not okay with them staying who they are, okay? You want to make them better and push them to be more like Jesus. He does that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It changes you. It redeems you. It works in your heart. If you met Jesus at some point in your life and you've never changed, okay, maybe you never actually 
actually met Jesus. He, he changes. He works. And people in your life, people that you love, you're supposed to do the same thing, right? right? So, I think yeah. it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old yeah. things are passed away and everything becomes new. Yeah. And so we, that's, that's what scripture tells us. So that's mm -hmm. the truth. Absolutely. You feel good on that one? Yeah. All right. Great. Moving on. How do we fast and pray in a biblical way? How do we fast and pray in a biblical way? You're setting me up to advertise our series that we're going to do in January. Oh, did nice. you know that? You didn't know that, did no. you? So, yeah. So, in the month of January, we're going to do a series to begin the year talking about some basic disciplines. And one of the things I think that we do, we do kind of ignore is fasting. A lot, not everybody, but um, fasting, where we... Um, a lot of times we initially think about it as abstaining from food. And some of you maybe have been on a fast just for the terms of weight loss and getting healthy, which is fine. But a biblical fast is when you're giving up something for something else. So it's giving up food a lot of times, giving up food, giving up a meal, giving up a meal or food for a whole day, or maybe giving up a certain food group for a period of time, something, something that's so big to you, like maybe it's sugar, maybe it's giving up desserts for a month. Maybe it's giving up a meal one day a week or not eating on a certain day each week. But the point of that is not just to not have something, but during that time when you would really want that thing that you want to consume, instead you're consuming God's word and you're praying. And that's the point of a biblical, that's like the short version. We'll get into more details. And actually, what we're going to do is really cool. In January, we're going to begin the year um, talking about these things. And we're going to encourage the church to do a 21-day fast together. Don't worry. It doesn't mean not eating for 21 days. Some of you are like, I'm out. I'm looking for a new church. I, I saw somebody just get yeah, up and somebody walk just out. left. All right, they're done. All right. Uh, so actually, it'll be very different in terms of ideas. Like everybody can do their own thing, whatever they feel God leading them to do. But it's often a time for you to get closer to God. It's a time to, to maybe in praying for specific things in your life to happen. And so anyway, um, that's good. And yeah. And I think it's evolved even from the biblical idea to where there's people who will fast social media, they'll fast their phone, they'll fast Netflix, like whatever is taking a lot of your time and attention away from, you know, time where you need to dedicate that to prayer or to reading God's word. That's really what you should give up. But yeah, I mean, January is going to be awesome. That's a fun way to start the year. That is a good way. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, we're going to call it, should I tell them what it's called? Sure. Okay. The series is going to be called 167 because there are 168 hours in the week and you're here for one. What are you doing with the other 167 hours in the week? So that's what we're going to be talking about, mm. all the things that we can do. And it kind of goes back to that other question about seeing God in every area of your life all the time and the mundane things of life, that God is part of everything that we do in the other 167. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Let's talk about prayer for a moment as well, because um, it said fast and prayer. So with prayer, uh, I think a lot of people maybe just view this as, oh, yeah, we're supposed to pray. We pray before meals. Uh, we pray before a sports game, if you play sports. Like, you know, I think there's like little times of prayer, but what is prayer actually? Like, well, how, how should we live with, with prayer? Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier a little bit. It's a conversation with God, and it should be something that's ongoing in our lives all the time. Um, I think there's, there's a lot. The Bible says so much about prayer, so it's a... It's a you know, we're going to talk about that in that series as well, but it's about building that relationship with God and getting our hearts aligned with God. Mm -hmm. if, if I boil it down, it's about 
getting closer to God and having our hearts aligned with what God wants for our lives and spending more time with him. I think too many people think it's just about asking God for something. When we say, take your connect card, write a prayer request on it, and we'll pray for you. We, we will. We have a team of people that pray. But we so often, if we look at our prayer requests, it's almost always just asking God for something. And that's mm -hmm. okay. God says to ask. Mm -hmm. But there's more aspects to prayer than that. I mean, there is um, the adoration side of it, like giving God praise and worshiping God for all that he's done, like we're going to do on that worship night coming up. That's such a big aspect of prayer. There's the confessing of our sins. Like so often, we just jump right into, God, this is what I need. Help me with my test. You know, whatever you said earlier, it's like, God, help me to know what to say in this, this uh, unscripted sermon this morning, whatever this is we're doing. God, help me. And we're praying those prayers. But what about, God, I'm sorry for the ways I've hurt you this week. God, I'm, I want to confess that to you. God, thank you for who you are. And looking at the Psalms and, and reading those as part of our prayer time. And then also the Thanksgiving portion of our prayer. Like how much time do you spend thanking God for all the blessings? And sometimes when we do all those other things in our prayer life, it helps us to align ourselves more with what God's will is for our lives. Yeah. How is it to you? Uh, no, I mean, I think that's really good. I think uh, I used to just pray when times were maybe really bad or when something was confusing or yet again, when I needed something, that's when I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to pray about this, right? But, you know, it's more than that. Pray when things are really good. Pray when things are boring. Pray, pray when things are mundane. Pray all the time, you know. And that's something that it's easy to say, but I think it's, it's hard for a lot of us to practice. I think if we really took an in-depth look at what the Bible has to say about prayer, we'd be like, whoa, we're, we're kind of doing this wrong. Like, this is, there's, this is so much bigger than, you know, what we, we think it is. And like you said, Psalms. Psalms are full of prayers. They're, they're things that mostly David, but a lot of different authors wrote to God and just saying, hey, you know, I'm either really broken or I'm really happy and, and just all these different things. And I think that's a cool place to start because the, the Psalms are all over the place in terms of mood and reason for for prayer yeah we can pray anytime any place anywhere with your eyes open while you're driving i mean you can pray and talk to god anytime i think one of the key passages also is um, when the disciples ask jesus to teach us how to pray lord and um, a lot of people call that the lord's prayer and people recite that nothing wrong with reciting that some of you how many of you been in a church before where everybody had it memorized and recited it out loud okay i grew up in a church like that too um and i don't think I don't think that was the point. Jesus didn't say memorize this prayer. Nothing wrong with that. But I think he, what he was doing was giving us a model of the things that should be in our prayer. And so you look at the Lord's Prayer, as it's called, and you see all the things. But then I think the true Lord's Prayer, I think it's in John 17, is the prayer that Jesus prayed. It's a whole chapter, and it's long, before he went to the cross and all the things that he was praying to his Father. So I think there's just, it's just so much, and it's a big, big conversation for yep. sure. Definitely. All right. Keep moving. Why are there different religions in the world? Okay. Um, well, it goes back to man. And uh, you think about, I think Romans chapter one talks about how God created the world and that there was evidence in creation that there's a God and we all are responsible and we can see that. But then man creates their own way to God. So Jesus is the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. But we, as human beings, sometimes have a hard time accepting simple things. And so Jesus made the path very easy. He made it so easy to understand that even a child can understand it. Yet man likes to complicate it. I think it's a lot about control. 
And Jesus did all the work. And for mankind, a lot of religions have sprung up because they wanted to create a way to be good enough to earn salvation or earn the way to heaven. And, and there's a lot of people, when you ask this type of question, what they believe is that all roads lead to heaven. It's like we're all going up the mountain and we're all going to get there. It doesn't matter what path you take. That's absolutely not true. It absolutely matters. And so I think that one of the things that, or the biggest, maybe one of the biggest things that separates Christianity from all these other man-made religions that are out there is the fact that salvation is a free gift. Every other religion, it's about what you have to do. Follow these rules, do these certain sacrifices, whatever it takes to get to God. But Jesus paid the price, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. It makes me think of the passage in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul said, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. If it was of works, we could boast about it, we could brag about it. And then he says, though, that we were created to do good works. So it, it, it goes together. Faith, faith without works is dead, it says in James. But so you look back, I mean, we, there's so many world religions out there. I mean, there's like a few weeks ago, I talked about it in the Second Peter series about, I think there's like 4,000 different identified religions. Everybody's searching for a path to God, but people don't want to listen sometimes to what God says. And it's very simple. So they create their own path. I mean, I think it's a bold thing for somebody like Jesus to say, I am the way, the truth, the life. And the reason why he worded it that way is because he is the way, the truth, and the life, not one of the 4,000, right? Right. So, I, yeah, that, I think that's, that's great. So we got time for a couple more. Okay. Uh, what is some biblical advice for helping other believers caught up in conspiracy theories? Wow, there's a lot of that today. I mean, you know, some people have you know, asked me, like, why don't you preach about how everything going on during the pandemic is related to Revelation and the Bible and how that shows that the rapture and Jesus' return is going to happen any moment now because of all these things that are going on in the world. Some people get caught up in that type of theory. Um, you know, those type of theories have been going on ever since I've been alive. And people have said, why doesn't this look like this? And this lines up like this. So it's so easy to get caught up in that. And, um, the political theories and conspiracies that people have, if you're on the left or on the right, um, I, I think biblically what we need to do, of course, is know God's word. That's where it starts. Knowing what God says, going back to the source and not try to read into scripture things that we wanted to say. Sometimes people feel certain things, so they go try and, a verse, find, go try and find a verse that backs up their opinion. And you can find verses, if you use them out of context, that will back up an opinion that you want to. But I think the important thing as we address those things, and kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier, is speaking the truth in love. When you are talking to somebody that is way off on a tangent, some people get way off on tangents, is to bring them back to the truth, but bring them back in love. Criticizing people for having a belief of something isn't, you know, calling them stupid, going online and spewing hatred. I don't find people get won over by that. I find that people get won over by lovingly having a conversation, which is kind of like what we're trying to do with this podcast. It's not an interview. It's a conversation. And we need to all be having conversations with people. And I don't think social media is a place necessarily to do that to just be right. I mean, like, it's not about, it's about when you say stuff that's mean and hateful with out of face, I mean, that, I mean, maybe on Facebook, but you know what I mean? You're not talking, they, but when you're doing this, 
you're going to be a lot more kind, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a lot more understanding. Because there's a reason those people you're talking to have a different belief or are caught up in a conspiracy theory. So being understood makes a person more open to hearing mm-hmm. your side and what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation that you have maybe matters just as much as the way you have that conversation, right? Oh, like uh, even if, if you and me completely disagree on something, the way we approach that conversation with humility and open-mindedness and love and kindness, all those things, that matters just as much as our differing opinions and all the facts we brought and all of that stuff. Like I think, you know, just because you dis- disagree on something doesn't mean that's, one, not an opportunity to grow, right? We're, we don't have it all figured out. We're not caught. So, uh, one, that's an opportunity to see a different perspective, to learn from it, to see, man, there's somebody that struggles with this or really truly believes this and I've never experienced that. Let me learn from it. Like I think we just need to approach conversation uh, better than maybe we do right now because I think a lot of us show up to the conversation of well I know my side and I'm and I'm definitely not backing and you know never back down from the truth don't get me wrong but I know what I'm gonna say I know all the points I'm gonna make I know how I'm gonna put them in their place I know all of that maybe just go in and say let me listen to this person let me hear their story and why they got to this place I think that matters just I, as much it does so much and I I, I know there are people that know what they believe. And I think if you believe what the Bible teaches, like I do, you know, you know when something is wrong and it just, oh, it just grates at you and you want to set the record straight. But trying to learn what other people feel and how they think will help you in your conversation. It'll help you in your outreach. It'll help you in your efforts to evangelize other people. Just telling them that they're wrong and you're right isn't going to get anywhere with yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we are running out of time, but I just want to share this last kind of closing thought this morning. Uh, The reason why we kind of wanted to have a platform like this, yes, this podcast is set up so we can have real conversations, unscripted conversations. I think that's super important, but the reason why this Q&A is really important is because questions are important to our faith. That's kind of the last closing thought I want to share with you this morning. Like, do not be scared of your questions. Um, Jesus, right? The only really story we have of, but in between him being a baby and in between him being an adult, was he went off to a temple for three days. His parents couldn't find him. Okay, imagine how sweaty and nervous they were when they couldn't find the Son of God, right? They go and find him at this temple, and they say, what are you doing? And he says, well, of course I would be here. I've been asking questions and learning from these people. Whoa. There's nothing wrong with our questions. Like, I think God really honors when we show up and we say, hey, I have this doubt. I have this question. I'm not sure, you know, if I believe this or if I should believe this. Can you show me? I think that's so important. So I think, you know, there's a certain misconception of, man, we can't question anything. We can't bring anything to God. We can't. No, I think it's the opposite. I think he wants our questions. Yeah, I always have had this conversation with people there. They're nervous maybe because their child is questioning their faith and asking really hard questions. But a lot of people, when they're going through their doubts and working through their doubts, that's when they're closest to believing. Mm. And so I think it's important to explore doubts. I mean, I don't mean you should doubt the Bible, but if you have doubts and you have questions, search for answers. You know, talk to people. There are answers out there that can help you. Because if you just accept things and you don't really understand them, you may end up questioning them later. So it's good to work through that. And so as we wrap this up today, you know, thank you. This went by fast for us. I don't know how it did for you, but we enjoyed this time. Look forward to doing this again at 11, a whole different group of questions. But I want to ask you, if you would, just bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. We're going to close the service in prayer like we normally would. And uh, if you're here this morning and God's working in your heart, maybe something has spoken to you, because we're talking about a lot of different things. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about other religions. We talked about cancel culture. We talked about sharing our faith. 
Um, there's so many things. And so it's hard to just boil us down to one thing. But if God's working in your life right now, listen, we want you to know that we have people that are ready to pray with you over in our care room, which is to my left, to your right. And they would love to pray with you after the service. Or if you want to go over there to pray, there's people that would just um, let you go in that room and just pray on your own. We would encourage you to do that. If you're here this morning before I close in prayer and you would say, Steve, I just want you to know um, that maybe something you talked about this morning, God's working in my life in an area and I need prayer in my life for a specific thing that I'm dealing with in my life. If you need prayer in your life this morning and you just want me to recognize that with nobody looking except for me, would you slip your hand up? Thank you. Several hands this morning. I see them, but God sees your hand. God knows what's happening in your heart, which is just awesome that we can relax in that. God, thank you so much for this time together this morning. God, thank you for what we've been able to share as we share our thoughts from your word and as we talk about things that are so relevant in our lives. And Lord, I pray, help us to become the Christians that we need to be, the Christ followers that are truly setting the example wherever we go and whatever we do. We thank you for this time here together. I pray you bring us back again here next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the In All Things podcast. Our challenge for you today is to send this episode to one person. Seriously, think of somebody right now that could use this conversation and send it to them. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic ideas, please send them to podcast at sycamorecreek.org and make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sycamore Creek Church so that you can always see what's going on in our world. If this conversation helped you at all, make sure you share it, leave a review, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on a single episode. We love you, God loves you, and we'll see you next week on the In All Things podcast.